0: All right, good morning, praise God. Good morning. good morning. Well, this morning's message is about the <coughs> grace effect. And as uh, so I was thinking about, you know, have you ever watched any of those uh, movies, YouTube documentaries about aliens? <laughs> you, you can admit it. I watch them. And uh, it's just kind of funny to see... How um, when, you know, people are all concerned about this encounter with an alien, and you know, they may have gotten abducted, and they come back and they explain how it's changed them. There's something happened to them, and they didn't really know what it is, but something happened when they were in the, on the ship. And uh, I I think that grace is much the same way. In other words, Grace is unexpected, and when we experience grace, when grace touches us, it changes us, you know? Um, we're, we're different, we're different inside. We look at life a little bit differently. And then, what's even maybe greater is when we get a chance to give grace to someone else, and we see how it impacts their life and their um, demeanor and, and their spirit, Oh, it's uh, it's a great thing. So grace, I think, sometimes is taken um, for granted. Uh, I think we maybe kind of look at it sometimes as just like another word or or whatever, but uh, over these past weeks, we've been trying to communicate what it can do in our life and how it can benefit us. And, you know, Jesus... Moses brought the the law, but Jesus brought in grace. And so grace is wrapped up in Jesus entirely. So I I want to um, challenge you with a question this morning, and and that is, are you grace-filled? Are you grace-filled? If you've been hit with grace or experienced grace, it had an effect on you. And I pray and hope that it's grown in you and stuck with you. The grace effect causes others to glorify God. Think about your own life when you experience grace. It changed how you relate to God and how how you worship Him, um, how you talk about Him, what what you give Him credit for. Um, Grace carries uh, faith and hope And love in it, and I almost think of it like an infection, a contagious infection. You know, because grace will spread. If somebody receives grace, and they're on fire, and they pass it on, and it's like an infection, a a virus, if you will, and and it spreads because others are viewed through a new lens. In other words. We, we look at people differently. We consider them differently. Um, we, we look at them through a different lens, the lens of grace, not the lens of law and legalism, not the lens of judgment. Charity becomes much more common in community that is infected with grace. So my question is, are we living today... As grace filled Christians, uh, do we find ourselves shutting out our brothers and sisters, and maybe even not yet believers? because we're angry uh, over sinners sinning. You know we sometimes see well, <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean we see sinners and we get mad at them, but we're just <laughs> sinning. I mean and and we were there. So um, we can get angry over something that's kind of ridiculous if you think about it. Um, And each one of us finds particular sins more egregious than others, right? Um, In fact, I think we tend to be more judgmental of sins than other people that are the same sins we struggle with, right? Because we're kind of judging ourselves, but we're projecting it on the other person. So... um, This is Satan just trying to bundle us up and put us in bondage. Um, Grace in us causes a whole new Christian effect. You can see that your Christian life, your walk is different. And you can see it in somebody else too when grace has changed their life. Um, We're... We're we're not saying... A lot of times we get confused with what grace is. We're not saying anything goes, everything's all right. We're not saying that. What we're saying is um, we're still wanting to head where Jesus wants us to, but we we come into it with a different attitude, a different heart, a different kind of faith. And we end up at where Jesus wants us to be. Uh, What we are saying when we if we consider ourselves grace-filled when we encounter someone that isn't somebody that's struggling somebody that is seeking jesus somebody that's caught up in legalism or anger over somebody else's sin that's the same as theirs is come on in we're we're going to walk with you through your journey of faith i mean we all go through this journey and we all um, have to stand individually before Jesus to, to answer for our lives and our faith. Not, um, you know, none of us are going to be able to stand before Jesus and say, "But did you see that guy? Did you see what he did? <laughs> Mine isn't nearly as bad as him." So, grace is—it's a way of enabling us to grow together towards maturity in Christ. You know, that's what that's what we're here. That's what we're doing. We're helping each other grow in our faith and our walk in Jesus to a maturity and, and a knowledge that um, is going to make God happy. And he loves seeing us walk that walk and head that way. I think it's a rare thing. Um, I ask the question, are we a grace-filled church? Uh, from day one, back in two thousand ten or eleven, when God was giving the vision to start this ministry over here, it was about grace. Obviously, the name that He gave us, Amazing Grace Community Church, and I have seen how, from my standpoint, you know, answering the phone if you call the church number, I'm the one that answers it, and or Kim sometimes. Uh, you know, I get people that are checking out this as a new church. And and I'll, I'll tell you probably the most common question I've gotten over the years would be, are you a spirit-filled church? Do you speak in tongues? Never has anybody ever called me and said, hey, are you a grace-filled church? I think that's maybe a, a little more important. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because, as a society, as a church, you know, community, we just haven't been really exposed to the power of grace. So it's what we've been trying to do. That's why we're encouraging everyone to um, take the time to read the Grace Walk. And and uh, John and I were talking about. It. John even said, you know, this is a great book. It's not the Bible, but it's a good book. You know, it might help you walk through the Bible in ways that you haven't done before. Um, (coughs) Grace is not purposed or intended in being penned up in us. In other words, God doesn't give us grace just so it stays (coughs) there with you. Grace needs to come out. It needs to start oozing out of us as we uh, share it with other people, as we grace other people. If grace is not oozing out of you, it hasn't taken effect yet, which is fine. You know, it's going to come a day when it does. And if you just don't feel like it's taken effect yet, you know, keep searching, keep pressing, keep learning. Grace is not purposed in making us perfect and angry because we're able to see the sin in others right? I mean, the more perfect we think we are, probably the more judgmental we are of others. So grace is not purposed in there. Grace is supposed to be flowing and coming into us and flowing out through us towards others. Um, grace oozing out of us causes us to move towards broken people or the sinner, and do our best to be loving to them, to uh, let them experience grace. Uh, It is so fun to see grace when it takes a hold of somebody and and that light comes on. So um, it is noticeable for sure. So grace happens here. Grace happens here. What is grace? We've said that grace is the empowering presence of God which enables us to do what He's called us to do. It's the empowering presence of God enabling us to do what He's called us to do. We can't do it on our own. If we do it on our own, if we're doing it of self, that's not grace. Uh, God is the source of grace. We need to remember that. You know, if we... Begin to be uh, proud because, oh, yeah, I got a lot of grace. You know, again, that's a little out in the weeds there. Humility is wrapped up in grace as well. Um, grace is a free gift. You don't earn it, you don't qualify for it, there, and there's no strings attached to grace. Um, when you receive grace, it's not like, but if you. Don't do this or don't do that. Or if you do this or do that, you no longer have grace. So there's no strings attached to grace. And I think a lot of times um, people resist growing in their faith because they're concerned about the strings that might be attached to that. And, and, you know, probably a lot of us feel like, well, I just, there's no way I'm going to match up to that picture of, you know, what a perfect Christian is supposed to be. Um, Grace is the method of divine dealing in salvation and in the believer's life and service. So you see how that's kind of a a living thing. You know, it's active, it's alive, it's it's working in our life, in our service. In other words, the things that we do for other people, the things we do as part of the church. There's grace unto salvation, there's grace unto sanctification, and there's grace under unto restoration. And we see all those facets in the New Testament in the Bible when we're looking at grace. We live in a world that is often quick to judge, where people are evaluated on um, what they do, what they get. You know, they made their own bed. They deserve it. Um, You know, you uh, are defined or viewed as a Christian if you're doing this, 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 and this. And, you know, you pray at a certain time of day for so many hours and you read the Bible. All of these Christian duties, that's what we're judged on. And that's what we said uh, last week is just throw those value systems out. Take Take that list off your fridge. You don't need to do that. Once you have grace in you, once you have the Holy Spirit in you, he'll let you know when you should be doing something you you should be doing or don't do it. So there's grace, grace, and more grace. Mistakes aren't the end of our faith. Um, Grace endures. Grace endures. Turn with me to John, John. chapter 21. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you want to follow along, there should be one in the window or that box <coughs> over there. John 21, verse 15. This is a, a scene that took place, and it was after Peter had denied Christ, three times even. Verse 15, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was, oh, I skipped one. And he says, Peter responds back, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. This is uh, grace unto restoration. Um, Peter had denied Christ, and and Jesus knew that. But look at the grace and restoration that Jesus had for Peter. And look how it impacted his life from that point forward. All of the things he did that we read about in the Acts of Apostles and places in the New Testament and... Um, He was uh, an apostle on fire. I mean, he was fully uh, filled with grace. So, mistakes aren't the end. Grace endures. In fact, we might even think Peter committed the greatest sin possible. He denied Christ. You know, that's a tough one to get over. But look at the grace Jesus had for him and how he responded. Grace goes way beyond being fair. Grace goes way beyond being fair. It is not fair. Grace is not fair. And it isn't intended to be. In fact, it's about undeserved love given (laughs) freely, and that's the heart of Christianity. It's undeserved. Grace is undeserved. It's not fair. Um, You could probably say that people that are least deserving of grace are the ones that are receiving grace, maybe the most grace. Um, Grace happens. It begins in Jesus and is administered through the saints. So we are grace administrators. God gives us grace, all of his grace, and we dish out a portion of it as we're going through our life. So we're supposed to do something with grace. We don't just hold it in. We're supposed to give it out, <laughs> give grace to others. Amen. It, it's, right. it's not a one time thing. It's a continuous thing. I mean it just it never ends. It never stops flowing. Never stops filling. Grace that doesn't happen just at church or on a weekend retreat. Um, Grace administrators, all of us saints, are on duty all the time because you just never know when you're going to encounter one of those divine appointments that call for grace. That God is sending somebody that needs grace to you to give out his grace as he's given to you. Grace happens here, here. If I wanted to experience grace, where would I start? Where would I go? Well, maybe the first thing is go find someone that knows Jesus, that you see grace on, that you see them walking in Christ. Go to them and, and talk to them and experience it from them. Where else could you find grace? Find someone who is broken and Minister to them. You, you. I mean, I know you, many of you have experienced this, but it's just an experience that is just over the top when you're um, giving grace to someone that is broken and just seeing God heal them in their spirit and their heart. You know, that works so much better than telling them, oh boy, are you a sinner? You better look out. In fact, I'm not going to stand next to you. That don't work. That's not what God wants us doing. And so um, I say invite everyone you know to the sheep barn to come here to experience grace. So it's not just words you're talking about. They can come experience it in this community fellowship. So if you're if you're finding, you know, not quite getting through to this person, invite them just come and see. See if you're real All right, so turn with me. We're still in John, back to chapter 4. John 4. And we're going to start with verse 7. John 4, verse 7. Uh, the woman at the well. I'm sure you've... Uh, Read this many, many times, and maybe today God's going to hit you with something new on this. Somebody was, I think it was Marcy, you were talking about layers. You know, there's those, so maybe today is going to be a new layer here. John 4, beginning with verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? There's a lot in that question, as you can imagine. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is who says to you, Give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 11. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, And just listen to the grace that is coming out of this response. He didn't didn't fight back. He didn't cut her down. He didn't chastise her or rebuke her. Look what he said. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, "'Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to die. <coughs> 16, he said to her, "'Go, call your husband and come here.'" <laughs> if we've read this story, we know it's coming next, but just imagine the first time it's being said when Jesus says it. Jesus knows the answer before he even asks the question. 17, the woman answered and said, "'I have no husband.'" And Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you live with now is not your husband. This you have said truly. 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you people, (laughs) you people. Boy, that's that's a phrase that there's a lot around. I've heard that. You people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Amen. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. 27. At this point, the disciples came, and they were amazed that he'd been speaking with a woman, yet no one said, What do you see? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot, went into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city, and were coming to him. This lady went to the well by herself. She went at a time when other women weren't going to be there getting water. It's likely that she wanted to avoid the other women, right? The, the uh, slander, the cutdowns, the accusations, the judging. And maybe they didn't like her after all anyway, because she did have five husbands, went through five husbands, and now living with a man... So, you know, in a small town, that had to create some ripples and problems. Mm -hmm. And so, you can envision she was seeking solace by coming to the well by herself. You know, I can just come quietly, get water by myself, and I don't have to deal with all the drama. She was an undesirable. I think we can conclude that. She was an undesirable. And if you'd have seen her Facebook page, it was (laughs) full of horrendous posts with cuss words. She had no car, no license, and no insurance. She was on food stamps and welfare even. Obviously, she wasn't a person that was easy to get along with because having had five husbands, there must be a problem there. And now, she's given up on even having a marriage. She's just faking it by living with the guy. So why did Jesus bring all of this up? You know, why did he present that to her? That doesn't really seem like grace, does it? Well, yes, he wanted to confront her with her sin, but he showed her grace in doing so. In other words, we're not gonna experience grace until we are confronted <laughs> with our sin, until we recognize that we have sinned, that we have sinned, that we, we do sin, uh, maybe we've sinned this morning. We're not gonna experience grace until we come to that realization and, and admit it. Um, why did he bring all this up? Well, he knew that she could not keep a relationship. <coughs> so therefore, she must have been searching for true love and never found it. And who is love? Jesus right there at the well. She finally found it. She was finally ready to hear about grace, love, and mercy. This woman is disillusioned. And she's weary from trying and failing to find the answer to life, the answer to her personal needs. And she was running on empty. But here she is now meeting Jesus at the well. So what is Amazing Grace Community Church mission? Is is our mission to is it, is it just about the poor? Is it just about ministering to the poor? Uh, no. I mean there are sex offenders living in Aspen Springs. There's wife beaters, there's uh, child neglecters, homosexuals, alcoholics, drug addicted, out-and-out criminals, wealthy, good people, legalists, sinners all. And should we reach out and give them grace? Amen. Amen, Amen. yes. Yes. Jesus is not just about the poor or this this woman. He's for everyone. We, We all come to the table with some kind of sin, some kind of baggage we're carrying. And just as we were singing, leave it at the table. Leave it there. Let Jesus deal with it. And that's what grace is about. We we need Him to work it out in us and not try to do it on our own abilities. Well, grace is kind of like doctors. Remember in the Bible, Jesus didn't stay with the Pharisees in the town. He stayed with the poor and the sinners. Right. Because the sinners are the ones that need the, need the help. Amen. 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 Um, <coughs> most likely, pe- these people that we've mentioned <clears throat> have never known true love. They've never known true love. Same was with this woman at the well. She had never known true love. So we need to be Jesus to others. We need to look for and pray for that opportunity to witness to them. Many know the truth already and they've given up on it. They've given up. It doesn't work. Well, just continue to be Jesus to them. Uh, friend of sinners. Jesus is friend of sinners. There's a, a testimony that I want to, a short testimony I want to read from a lady named Terry Blackstock. Uh, She's an author. She writes Christian fiction books. And so in uh, one of her books I read, I think I read in the back cover, her personal testimony. I thought it was pretty powerful. She said, when I joined a church as a broken, grieving, divorced mother of two, the church embraced me and drew me in. Their philosophy was that the church should be a healing place. Not an execution chamber. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? He said time and time again, when when hurting people come to a church, we would send an ambulance, not a firing squad. <laughs> There's a lot to know. I mean, isn't that doesn't that describe the experiences that we when we come to a church? It's either going to be an ambulance or a firing squad ready for us. In the triage of that place, my wounds were bound and my broken heart was healed. I was able to discover Christ because he smiled at me from the faces of the members and he touched me through their hands. There are Christians who aren't plugged in and don't have that support system, that accountability and that love. Some belong to dead churches where that support ministry doesn't really exist. They praise God alone from barren places and don't know the joy of assembling together with other believers, belonging to a family to whom they can turn in times of joy, stress, and devastation. They don't know the joy of being challenged by a preacher who calls them to a closer walk with Jesus. End testimony. So lost people really are under loved, And we should take time to learn their stories, their needs, and their gifts, much like this disenfranchised woman at the well. The poor and the broken will always be with us. We'll always have the slow to be saved and the slow to be sanctified around us. Consider, who are we serving when we feed the poor and the unrepentant? The answer is Jesus. It, you know, it's not so much that poor, unrepentant person. It's Jesus. We're doing it on behalf of Jesus for Him. So who are we serving? Jesus. Here's another one. This might shake your your world a bit. Jesus didn't rebuke the broken and disobedient and the poor. Who did He rebuke? He rebuked the Pharisees, the ones that were the religious leaders that knew all the law and they were oppressing the people. Um, he rebuked the men that brought that woman caught in adultery to him. He didn't rebuke the woman. You know, She knew she'd sinned. He just said, go and sin them well. I don't I'm judge you. I not rebuke you. And sure, in Scripture it tells us to rebuke our brother if he sins. If he repents, forgive him. But this is all done with love, within a spiritual relationship, purposed in healing, not judgment. And therein lies the difference. So let me just kind of wrap up the message here. The grace effect. It's a contagious infection. (laughs) So after these last few weeks' messages on grace... Out of the Grace book, um, I believe that many of us have gained a new understanding of ourselves. Uh, We've acquired a new tool which is called perspective. In other words, we can see things with a different perspective, a grace perspective. Um, What should be the effect of grace in our life? It's the grace effect. So, if you're there, you're now forgetting what lies behind you and you're pressing on towards the new. You've unshackled the past. It is not ruling you. And you've understood that God has begun a good work in you and it will continue. We've talked a lot about grace. Grace, grace is unmerited favor. Um, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's presence in and working through you and empowering you to do that which he's called you to do. But what is the effect or result of grace on those it's purposed towards? The grace effect is what happens when the object of grace receives it. Grace starts with God. It falls upon a person who has let God change them. And when they become a Then they become a grace vessel or a grace ambassador, a grace administrator. And they're emulating this spiritual action that just happened to them, grace coming from God falling on us. And then from there, they go out and they reach out and they administer grace to others. And it begins to impact a larger society, uh, uh, a larger group around you. So how do we know if the grace effect has happened? Well, it is recognizable. We saw how it changed the lives of this woman at the well. We saw how it changed Peter's life. um, On and on, there's many stories in the Bible. So to, I guess, bullet point, how do we know, how do we recognize the grace effect has happened? Is number one, it embodies and projects faith, hope, and love. Grace embodies and projects faith, hope, and love. Change is evident. When grace has had its effect, change is evident. Um, It's an inward change producing an outward effect. The past is gone, the new has arrived. Uh, Number three, faith is in the unseen, not the seen. That's a radical change, because... Um, As humans, we we believe in what we can see and touch and hear. But spiritual vision is believing in the unseen, knowing that God is real. Uh, Number four, hope is expressed today. In other words, we're hopeful today because of eternal hope that we are given. Uh, Love happens because others are viewed through a new lens and finally the grace effect and enables you to endure suffering and trials because you have your eye on the end you know who holds your life you know who holds the end you know who's directing the show and you trust him you trust him so i say let's start a grace pandemic. Amen. And no masks or vaccines will stop it. Let's start that grace pandemic. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. yeah. Too. All right, uh, any uh, comments or questions before we move into prayer time? I, I just remember when you started to say that uh, Jesus, you know, loves the sinner, the, the song, Jesus, friend of sinners, when it says, I was the outcast, Mm-hmm. You know, I was the broken one That song And that's the one that he came for Yeah. And it really to me speaks a lot It says I'm the leper at his feet Yeah And uh, all of that But he still loved us Amen, Christ God. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Amen. I was one of those kids that grew up on Star Trek Loved it I, I would go to space if I could Just to see what it all looks like uh, You know the, all the shows about aliens and stuff, so interesting, but I, I will always remember the day that it just was like, wham, you know, that God is the extraterrestrial. <laughs> and, and then it all made sense to me. You know, yeah. These people are all seeking to find God, which is the extraterrestrial. now we're going to watch Star Trek in a whole different way. (laughs) (laughs) Aliens, right now the town is loaded with them. Well, the Bible says that we're aliens, too. (laughs) Alrighty, um, just a reminder, uh, meet down at the river by that bridge going over to the springs at 1 o'clock for the baptism. But let's go ahead and gather together and pray for one another before we leave.